God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Like many parents of young ones, my life currently consists of, I think an image is going to show up, Encanto. How many of you have seen Encanto? Yes, there's so many kids here. I'm so excited. Okay, so if you're not in the loop, that's okay. Encanto is the newest Disney movie, and it centers around the Madrigal family, pictured here. Here's a quick, spoiler-free synopsis. You're welcome. They are a family in Colombia who have been given a miracle. The grandmother escaped war with her triplets at the cost of her husband, and the family has grown, and now they have this magical house, and most of them also have a special gift that they use to build up their community and to keep everyone safe. The gifts they're given are special and they're representative of each person that possesses them. One of the daughters is super strong. Another has supersonic hearing. One of the sons can shape shift into different people. And another can communicate with animals. Their gifts define who they are to one another and to the world. This morning, we will conclude our sermon series on Ruth. I hope you all have enjoyed reading through this Old Testament book as much as I have. And there is still so much that we have not covered and that we won't cover today. I hope maybe this summer or this fall, we can offer a Bible study on Ruth where we can really go deeper on some of this. And so we can look at some of those details that unfortunately we have had to overlook. If this is your first Sunday with us in this series, please do not run to the doors. I will do a quick recap for all of us so that when we enter into this fourth chapter of Ruth, we know where we stand. The story of Ruth began with an Israelite named Naomi, who with her husband and two sons left their home because of a famine. They settled in Moab where Naomi's husband died and her two sons, who had married Moabite women, also died. It's not a super great story right off the bat. After all of this death, Naomi heard that the famine has ended in her homeland, and so she leaves to go back with her two Moabite daughter-in-laws. One of the women, Ruth, made it back to Bethlehem with Naomi. There, as an outsider, Ruth worked hard in the fields. She worked hard to provide for herself and for Naomi. And it was there that she met a relative of Naomi's, a man named Boaz, who allowed her to glean on his fields, to work the fields. And then, following this master plan hatched out by Naomi, Ruth asked Boaz to fulfill his duties as a redeemer, or one who marries his relative's widow. Boaz, when heard with this proposition, says that actually there's another man who's a closer relative than I, but if that guy won't step up, I will. 
And so that's how we leave the end of chapter three. That's the two-ish minute version. Please go read it on your own for a little more context if you need it. And so chapter three leaves us with a cliffhanger. Who will end up marrying Ruth? Will it be Boaz or will it be this unnamed relative? We don't have to wait too long to find out. At the very beginning of chapter four, Boaz holds his own little hometown court session. He calls all these men around and brings the relative who is the closest relative to Naomi. And he says, hey, you have this opportunity to gain more land and to marry Ruth. And the closer relative says, no, thanks. That's not for me. And so Boaz says, okay, everyone who's gathered around, you are all my witnesses that this man, the closer relative, has passed by this opportunity. So I, Boaz, will cease the opportunity. Ruth 4, 11 through 13. Then all the people who were at the gate where this little court session happened and the elders said, Yes, Boaz, we are witnesses. May the Lord grant that the woman who is coming into your household be like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built up the house of Israel. May you be fertile in Ephrathah, and may you preserve a name in Bethlehem. May your household be like the household of Paris, Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the children that the Lord will give you from this young woman. That's a lot for a whole group of people to say at once, but let's go with it. So Boaz took Ruth and she became, became his wife. He was intimate with her. The Lord let her become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Throughout this Old Testament book, Ruth took difficult paths. Ruth left behind all of her family and all of her culture to follow a woman who had become embittered by life's hardships. Ruth worked out in the fields every day to provide for the two of them. Ruth gets her happy ending here. We don't know a lot about her marriage with Boaz, But we do know that Ruth and Naomi finally get the security and the safety that they've been yearning for. Before now, Ruth's life has been one without a child. She probably never imagined that her journey would continue after the death of her husband. Ruth puts Naomi's well-being above her own time and time again. And in this last chapter, Ruth gets what she asked for, a redeemer for both of them. As we have read through this book of Ruth the past few weeks, we've learned that loving others in hard moments is worthy work. Just as Ruth continued to love and provide for Naomi, even when she was at her most bitter We've also learned how influential a community can be and that within that community, it's important to be confident in your own identity, not an identity put upon you by someone else or by the time. Your true identity, a representation of who you are that points back to your character. As we finish up today, 
we learn another essential truth from the book of Ruth. Transformation is a powerful thing. The book may be called Ruth, but it could have easily been accurately named Naomi. Naomi, in our first chapter of Ruth, feels so trampled on and exhausted by life that you may remember she literally tells everyone that her name is no longer Naomi, it's Mara, which means bitter. And then in the next two chapters, we don't hear a whole lot from Naomi. She occasionally pops her voice in to say, hey Ruth, how'd you get all this grain to feed us? Or she tells Ruth, hey, I have this plan of how you can ask Boaz to be our redeemer. She tells Ruth a little bit about the culture and what to expect. But even in these moments in the second and third chapter when Naomi speaks, she doesn't lead us to believe that she's gone away from any of that bitterness that she feels or that she's gone away from any of the blame she places on God for her current lot in life. It's only when Ruth gives birth that we see a total transformation of Naomi. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 of that fourth chapter. The women said to Naomi, may the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you without a redeemer. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. He will restore your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you has given birth to him. She's better for you than seven sons. Naomi took the child and held him to her breast, and she became his guardian. The neighborhood women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He became Jesse's father and David's grandfather. This is one of those moments where I'd love for us to spend a few minutes talking about these women in the village who have the audacity to name a baby boy and whose voice comes up time and time again throughout this book. But I'm going to stay focused here, and I'm simply going to say that the women here speak truth to Naomi. They speak truth about who Ruth is to her. Now, it's easy to read the women saying, Ruth is better for you than seven sons, and think that they're hating on all of those sons. That's not the route I want us to take. Instead, they are highlighting the importance and the compassion and the love that Ruth has had on Naomi's life. She brought these gifts to Naomi. Naomi, an embittered, broken, defeated woman is transformed through the gift of a child. A child that Ruth bears and shares. Naomi is so taken with this child that the women say the child has actually been born to Naomi, the grandmother. Every piece of Naomi that was trampled on and exhausted has found new life in the birth of Obed. Naomi is transformed in a ton of different ways, and we only know this 
because of the voice of the women. I wish we could hear Naomi's side of the story. I wish we could hear her words about the joy that she has found in this child. The truth is that Ruth blessed Naomi again and again and again in this story. Naomi is transformed by love. In United Methodist churches that closely follow the lectionary, this Sunday today is typically referred to as Transfiguration Sunday. It is the last Sunday of Epiphany because next week, like I mentioned, we enter into a new season, Lent. On Transfiguration Sunday, congregations remember the story of Jesus's transfiguration. Makes sense, that's what it's called. This story happens when Jesus is with a few of his disciples and (laughs) for lack of a better word, he becomes shiny. Uh, This glow overcomes Jesus's face and the disciples see Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah and then talking about the end of Jesus's life. It's this really powerful, really confusing moment for the disciples and for those of us who read the story, us too. Jesus is transformed literally in front of their eyes. And if there were any previous doubts about the identity of Jesus and the role Jesus's life will play, those are taken away in this moment. God demonstrates the truth about who Jesus is and the role Jesus's life will play on those people on earth. Jesus is physically transformed in this moment. The disciples witness that truth. They witness the truth of who Christ is and they catch a glimpse of how powerful that transformation is how powerful that truth is. As Christians, (laughs) let's watch another video. As Christians, we know transformation. We hear stories of people whose lives have been made new through their relationship with Jesus Christ. We know of people who give and give and give because they're compelled to. When we become a community of believers, we don't get shiny faces, at least not normally. We don't get a magical gift. We don't all of a sudden possess the determination and compassion that Ruth has. But when we enter into a relationship with Christ, we are transformed. Maybe not physically, Maybe not immediately, but spiritually and mentally, our lives are never the same as they first were. The truth of the love of Christ, the vastness of that love is transformational. The calling Jesus gives each of us to love others, to seek justice, to hear the cries of the needy, that's life-changing stuff. It influences how we all see the world. It affects our relationships. 
It dictates the words we use and the actions we take. We know transformation because we know the radical way Jesus' love has transformed our world. At the end of Encanto, the Madrigal family has to come face to face with who they truly are. Are they only their gifts? Or is there something more? Their gifts have transformed their relationships with themselves and with one another. It's shown a truth about each of them. The question is how they allow that transformation to truly manifest. It's about how they recognize the truth of their own family history and work to dismantle the idea that they did anything or had to do anything to deserve these miracles, to deserve these gifts. When everything falls apart, is there enough for the Madrigal family left to rebuild? Can they grow together in a new direction? Can they transform their relationships with one another? How do our lives point others back to Jesus? How is our transformation real and evolving and growing? How is it influencing the world and the people around each of us? It took a long time for Naomi's heart to soften. It took a lot of hard work and dedication and compassion for Ruth to be bold enough to ask Boaz to redeem her and Naomi. It took the disciples courage and faith to follow Jesus along through his ministry in his last days. Transformation doesn't always come overnight. It doesn't always happen like the movies, like those characters in Encanto who are given a gift and all of a sudden have these magical abilities. Instead, transformation is heart work. It's allowing ourselves to enter into relationships with one another, to take time to listen to our neighbors, to practice that radical love of Jesus Christ out into the world. I don't advocate a name change for this book. The fact that Ruth begins as a foreign poor widow and ends with being the grandmother of King David, it's noteworthy. Ruth is an ancestor to Jesus. A Moabite woman is actually listed in the genealogy of Jesus. That's big stuff. That's huge. That's transformation to an exponential scale. We are blessed to hear not just about that extraordinary life of Naomi, but to also get the gift of Ruth to hear about Ruth's compassion and love and desire and dedication that breeds life to a generation of radical love. In what ways have our lives been transformed? 
by Christ, by someone else's unexpected love, by a surprising gift. I am thankful for the story of Ruth and Naomi. I am thankful for their witness, for their journeys, for the ways they challenge us to continue loving those around us and to allow ourselves to be transformed in the process. They are strong women who leave quite the legacy. Amen.